What did you want to talk? To, what did you want me to talk about? Shamsa mentioned something. Yes, controlling your desire. Yes. You want me to actually talk about that subject, or are you going to give me a little bit more freedom? Yes. I mean, I prepared a talk on the subject that you wanted. But if you don't mind, I'm going to make some tasarruf or some additions or deletions or subtractions of it. If that's all right. In fact, I'm going to put that talk away. Who was at the uh, talk in Edinburgh yesterday at the conference? I'm not going to repeat that, don't worry. Okay, inshallah. Inna alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasla'inuhu wa nasta'afiruhu wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayhi wa nu'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa sayyiyati amalina man yahdihillahu falamudillalah wa man yudlil falahadiyalah wa ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharikalah وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن خير الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار All praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the one who is truly worthy of all praise We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the most beautiful names and with his perfect attributes. And we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all thanks is due to Allah, the one who is the source of all blessings. And peace and salutations upon the Messenger of Allah, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent as a mercy to the alameen. Alhamdulillah, this is the first trip to Falkirk, I have to say. And... Uh, I didn't know what to expect, but when I see the brothers in Scotland, when I speak to some of the brothers who are involved in Dawah, I see where we were maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It seems that Jaliya Muslimin are catching up, they are making, alhamdulillah, some progress. And since it's my first visit here, and I don't know any of you, I think that it was appropriate to speak about something which is the most important thing of all things. And it is also linked to the subject that we're going to talk about. Controlling desires is our subject. But for us to really get the complete picture of this subject, the scholars say that the source of all sins goes back to two things. Two main problems. What are they? Who can say? Who can tell me what they are? Yes. Shaitan and desires. Shaitan and desires. Well, one is desires. What's the other one? There are two main reasons for sins. One is shahwat, which is desires. The other one is shubahat, which is Doubts. Doubts that cover the heart with shak and with rave, confusion. And as a result of that, 
people go astray. So these are the two main reasons for sins. Shahwat and Shubahat. You took one branch which was Shahwat. But I think that if we were to look at the problems more general, not just the Shahwat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the heart and made it the leader of the body. As the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said in the hadith which is Sahih, the Prophet said, إِنَّ فِي الْجَسَدِ مُضْغَةِ إِذَا صَلَحَتْ صَلَحَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّ وَإِذَا فَسَدَتْ فَسَدَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّ أَلَا وَهِيَ الْقَلْبِ The Prophet said that there is a morsel of flesh in the body. If it is correct, the whole of the body is correct. And if it is spoilt, then the whole of the body is spoilt. Then he said, verily, it is the heart. The heart is the control center. And it orders the limbs and it orders the tongue. They are only a fruit and a manifestation of what is already in the heart. So, what we are going to talk about is the, or what you've asked me to talk about, is the illnesses of the heart. What are the illnesses of the heart? The illnesses of the heart, as we said, there are two types of illnesses, two branches. One is shubahat, doubts, and the other is shahwat. And Allah has mentioned both of these illnesses in the Quran. What does Allah say about the munafiqin? فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرْضٌ فَزَادَهُمُ اللَّهُ مَرَضًا وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ In their hearts is a sickness, and Allah increases their sickness and for them is a severe torment or severe punishment. Allah mentions this marad of shubhat and nifaq. And it has three main alamat for us to look at and, and, and see if it is there. There are three main alamat of this illness. What are they? As far as we are concerned, who are Muslims, one of the Worst of all of these and manifestations of this illness is a takhallaf at Salat al-Jama'ah. Staying away from the congregational prayer. This is one of the signs of nifaq. One of the signs of this illness. That we find ourselves, subhanAllah, the Muaddin is calling, Hayya al-Salah, Hayya al-Falah. You know, Hayya al-Salah, come to the prayer. Hayya al-Falah, come to success. The Mu'adhan is calling it, and we're walking past the masjid. We don't answer his call, subhanAllah. And we don't come to the masjid. Because the condition of the heart is not right. This is the first nifaq. This is the first sign of nifaq. And we're talking about nifaq amali here, but okay, we're going to talk about nifaq al-taqadi as well. SubhanAllah, to, for the heart to become strong and the heart to overcome, it must have what? A strong connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This strong with connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where will it come from? After we believed, where will it come from? It will come with our link with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what is that? The prayer. The prayer is the link with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of the ulama, when they said, the hikmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
in appointing five prayers at different times is that the slave will always be connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are always connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fajr prayer right at the door. We have a meeting with Allah. We come to the masjid and make the prayer. That's how we liqaa with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then, a little later, in the noontime, we have another liqaa with Allah. And then at the asr time, and so on and so forth, until, until the night. When we also again have our final liqaa with Allah for the night, and maybe some of us don't pray that the hajjid prayer. But throughout the day, we have kept a link with our Creator. Because the heart always is in need of connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now I often tell people, sometimes we look for happiness. All of us are looking for happiness, but we look for happiness in the wrong place. Because we don't realize what is the human. What is the human? The human is made of two things. He's made of a body which is clay. And its needs are all in the clay, in the solid. SubhanAllah, he finds all of his clothing from the, subhanAllah, the ground, or has some link to the ground. If it's cotton, if it's nowadays what is made from oil, polythenes and all those other things. Our food, it's all from the ground. Even the animals, if we consume animals, then they, they are living on, the, on the, what the ground produces, what the earth produces. Our living, our shelter is in the earth. Same thing again. So the jasad, its link is with the ground. But the heart and the soul, its needs are not found there. What people think is that if we provide comfort for the body, then we will find happiness. So we find out all of our time is spent to make our life more luxurious and to remove any hardships. And they are only the hardships of the body we want. So what happens, subhanAllah, how often we find the rich and the mighty, they are the most miserable people. Sometimes we find them, they are the most miserable people. In fact, often we find them, they are the most miserable people. Because they took out the most important of all of the things, which were the needs of the soul. The soul is drowning and dying and withering because it doesn't receive its nourishment. What is the nourishment of the soul? The worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this prayer is one of the biggest acts of worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So brothers and sisters, this is one of the alamat of this illness, to be away from the prayer. One of the other alamat is also that when we don't do what we claim to believe, we claim to be Muslims and we claim to be believers, but then we don't do it. So our zahir, which is, you might see beard, and you might see thawb, or you might not even see that. And what is in our batin, which is inside, which is hidden, nobody can see it. See, the other things we see with our eyes. With basr we can see what a person is outwardly. But only with basira can we see what somebody is like inside. And Allah only gives some people basira. But the point is that what are we? When we don't make our 
outside what is a part of us, the same as the inside. Or when we make our inside, our inside is different. We maybe hide kufr and we say belief. And we apparently show belief. So this is also one of the alamat of this illness in Nifaq. How do we remedy those? The biggest and most important of all of the things is that you remove from us the biggest illness which is shirk. The ishraqu billah. Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he came to the people of Mecca he came to them and he came to them with the Quran. He was sent as the doctor for the illnesses of the heart. Because you know you will see the illnesses nowadays, sometimes the illnesses are related only to the body. So the cure of those illnesses is what? We have hospitals, you go and you you have some illness, maybe you you know you have diabetes or you have blood pressure or something like that. So you go to the clinic or to the doctor and they remedy those. And those illnesses, they are only small illnesses. But the worst illnesses, the illnesses of the heart. And for the cure of the illnesses of the heart, because why do we say they're the worst? They're the most dangerous. Because they're the ones that will end, could end up throwing you in the hellfire. So who was the one who was sent to cure the hearts? The Rusul, the messengers. The Prophet Muhammad And then the ulama. They are the ones who treat the illnesses of the heart. And the biggest of all the illnesses was ishraqu billah. To associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the illness, the first illness we have to look at. That we don't associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, wal insa illa he said, I didn't create jinn and men except to worship me. We are created for this very great wisdom. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created mankind for his worship and his worship alone. This is something if we were to realize this, we have realized the reason for our creation. And subhanAllah, they say this is the billion dollar question. Why am I here? Why am I here? I'm here to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah created me and put me upon this earth. Not to collect wealth and amass wealth. Not to have many children. Not so that I can boast that I have some status amongst my people. Allah created me for his worship. How often do we ask ourselves, am I doing what I was created to do? Well, that was to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet ﷺ, he said to Mu'adh ibn Jabal, Mu'adh ibn Jabal was the scholar of this ummah. One day he says, Kuntu I was with the Prophet ﷺ on the back of a donkey. The Prophet was sitting on a donkey and Mu'adh was riding behind him. SubhanAllah, from this hadith there are so many benefits. But look at the tawadu of the Prophet ﷺ. How humble he is. SubhanAllah, the Ru'asa, nowadays you see the leaders, they will only ride in the finest car. How often you see the Ru'asa, they will sit in some broken down dats and sunny. They won't. They have no problem sitting and riding in a car, but it has to be something which is appropriate to their status. 
the Prophet is riding a donkey, a mule. And not just that, riding with him is Mu'adh ibn Jabal. And the Prophet asked Mu'adh a very important question. SubhanAllah. Look at how the Prophet asks him and how he taught the Ummah. He said, Ya Mu'adh, atadri ma haqqullah al-ibad? He said, O oh, Mu'adh, do you know what is the right of Allah upon his slaves? This is a very important question. Very important question. Wouldn't you agree it's a very important question? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a right. We should know the right of Allah. Sometimes I think to myself, when we see some of the companions and the questions, the important questions that they asked, I think, subhanAllah, how could we deny that these people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose them, that they should be the companions of the Prophet because they were the ones who would bring the message of Islam and preserve it, so that today we would know. The Prophet said, Mu'adh, Second part of it, and do you know the right of the slaves? What is the right of Allah upon his slaves, and what is the right of the slaves upon Allah? SubhanAllah, you might ask, Allah has a right? We recognize Allah's right. Why do we recognize Allah's right? Allah created us. And if He created us, then He owns us. And if He owns us, then He could order us to do as He wills, and we should do it. So it's obvious Allah's right. But the question that we might ask is, what right can we possibly have over Allah? What have we done to deserve a right from Allah? Have we done anything for Allah? We've done nothing. The scholars say that this is from the complete mercy and generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he's given the slaves a right. So what do you think Mu'adh replied? He said, Allahu wa rasuluhu a'lam. He said, Allah and his messenger know best. So the Prophet paused for a while and Mu'adh waited. Then the Prophet said, He said, The right of Allah upon his slaves is that they should worship him. Meaning who? Allah alone. They should worship Allah alone and not associate any partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the second part. وَحَقُّ الْعِبَادِ عَلَى اللَّهِ And the right of the slaves upon Allah is that Allah not punish those who do not associate partners with Allah. SubhanAllah. The right of Allah and the right of the slaves. Mu'adh ibn Jabal became so happy with this hadith. He said, Ya Rasulullah, أَفَلَا أُبَشِّرَ النَّاسِ O Messenger of Allah, should I not go and give the glad tidings to all the people? That if they worship Allah and not associate partners with Him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not punish them? What does the Prophet say? He said, La He said, Don't go and give them this glad tidings, lest they become complacent. 
lest they become complacent. Mu'az radiallahu anhu, he only narrated this hadith towards the end of his life because he feared that the hadith would be lost if he didn't narrate it. So he kept the secret of the Prophet until, until he feared that he might die and then this great news, this great blessing would be lost. But brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered us to worship Him. And subhanAllah, this, the merit of worshipping Allah alone only, subhanAllah, is so great. In the hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri the Prophet said, Musa salam asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, Ya Rabbi, alimni shay'an adhkuruka wa ad'uka bih. He said, Oh my Lord, teach me something that I can remember you with and make dua to you with that. Musa was asking for some special dua from Allah, some special kalimat from Allah, special for him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to him, Qul ya Musa, what do you think he's going to tell Musa Anybody know? Anybody know this hadith? He said, Qul ya Musa, la ilaha illallah. He said, Musa, say la ilaha illallah. Musa wanted something special. So he said, Ya, ya Rabbi, all of your slaves, they all say la ilaha illallah. This is nothing special just to me. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ya Musa, law anna samawat al-sab'a, if all seven heavens and the dwellers of those heavens, other than me, and the seven earths, if they were all in one hand of the balance, and this la ilaha illallah was in one side of the balance. This la ilaha illallah would be heavier than all of those. Why do I mention this to you? All that time that we spent to amass the dunya, would we ever own the heavens and everything which is in the heavens and the earth? We would never own it. And what is it? It doesn't equal la ilaha which every Muslim has the right to. And anybody who wants to accept Islam has the right to. Salman al-Farisi came from Persia. SubhanAllah, look at the people who are looking for the truth. Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu came from Persia. He belonged to such a powerful household and a wealthy household. He was, SubhanAllah, with great status amongst his people. To the extent that they'd given him the most, as far as they were concerned, the highest rank, the keeper of the flame. Because his people were Majus, they used to worship the fire. SubhanAllah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bought Salman al-Farisi 
from all of that, he left all of that. Searching for the truth, he came to Sham area, which is now Palestine, Jordan, Syria, this area. Searching for that truth, that light, that la ilaha illallah. He came to Sham. He became a Christian. When he saw that Christianity had more truth than his religion, he fled from his home and left all of the luxuries and came to Sham searching for the truth. And then he became, when he became a Christian, he became a scholar or a student of knowledge. So he went from former archbishop to the next archbishop to the next one because he wanted to be and to learn the truth. One of them would die and he would say, Wasiya, go to this man, he will, he's a righteous man. Till eventually, one of them said to him on his deathbed, he said, Oh my teacher, who should I go to next? He said, now the time has come for the appearance of a prophet. He will come in the area where there is Harra, this volcanic rock, and where there is palms. So don't search for an archbishop or a priest, but search for the final prophet who is to come to this area. And he gave him three signs. He said he will not accept sadaqah. He will not accept charity. And he will accept a gift if he is given a gift. And on his back is the seal of prophethood. So Salman al-Farisi sold all of his belongings and joined a caravan of the Arabs to come to Arabia. Because this was the nearest place where there were palms and volcanic, volcanic rock. And subhanAllah, the people, they captured him. Although he was a paying traveler with them, they captured him, enslaved him, and sold him to the service of a Jew in Medina. Look where Salman started off, searching for the truth. And look where he is now, a captive in the working in the plantations of a Yahudi. One day, one evening, he was working in the palms when a Jewish man came to see his master. He said to him, have you heard that and they, they used to make fun of the Arabs, that they have now a man that they have taken as a prophet. They see him as a prophet. They were talking about the prophets. So when Salman heard this, he said, this is what I'm looking for. So he came down from the palm and began to inquire from the man. But he was met with violence. His master punched him in the face. He said, what do you have to do with this? Go and work. But Salman anhu, was searching for the truth. Searching for that la ilaha illallah. So one day he came to the Prophet وسلم, with some days. He said, I know, O Prophet, that you have come and you have left all of your things in Mecca. You have come with nothing. You own nothing. So this is sadaqah from me. And then he sat back to observe. And the people, Prophet gave them the dates and they ate and the Prophet didn't eat. Hassan 
One day the Prophet was with Hassan, and Hassan wanted to take from those dates. What did the Prophet say to him? He said, Bakhin Bakh. This is a remark to say that this doesn't suit the family of the Prophet, that they should eat the sadaqah of people. What is sadaqah? It is the dirt on the hands of the people. They don't deserve this. So Salman observed that the first sign is apparent. He's passed the first test. Another time he came and bought some dates. He said, Ya Rasulullah, this is a gift from me. And he observed that the Prophet and his companions all ate from the dates. So this is the second sign. And thirdly, well how is he going to ask the Prophet can I look at your back? To see the seal of a Nabuwa, prophethood. Who can describe to him what the seal of Nabuwa looks like? Who's read the description of it? Yes. On the back of back. On the back where? Between the shoulder blades. And Salman al farisi when he saw the seal of Nabuwa on the back of the Prophet, he touched it and he kissed it. And he said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah. And he accepted Islam. Abu Jahl, Abu Jahl used to sit and listen to the Quran. And he used to say concerning the Quran very good things, but in secret. So they said to him, Ya Abu Hakam, what do you think of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And what do you think of his religion? He said, he is a prophet. So he said, why do you disbelieve in him? He said, we are kafir sayyid. We are competitors with Bani Abd Manaf. We have always competed with them. But when they say we have a prophet amongst us, what will we say? So therefore we disbelieved him. And subhanAllah, Dara disbelieved. So Abu Jahl, who is in the place, Mamba and Nabuwa, where the Nabuwa came, Mecca. And he listened to the Prophet, he didn't accept it. But subhanAllah, this La ilaha illallah bought Salman al farisi from Persia all the way to Medina and all of the difficulties he faced and he accepted la ilaha illallah this is not kalibat la ilaha illallah what's the value of it? it is worth more than the dunya and the seven heavens and all that's within them but subhanallah how does that apply to this ummah? the prophet said urda alayya al-umam Hadith of Ibn Abbas He said all of the nations were presented to me. Which nations? The nations of the past. He said they were all presented to me. The commentators of the hadith said this is in a dream. The Prophet saw in a dream. The nations were presented to me. He says, He said, I saw some anbiya, some nabi with him. Was a group of people. A rahat, they said, is from any number between 13 and 19. So he said, with him was a group of people. He said, then I saw a prophet with him was man, one man or two men. 
And I saw a prophet. Nobody followed him. He had no ummah. This is the state of some of the ummah. The anbiya came. Some ummah, a few people believed. Some ummah, one or two people believed. Some ummah, nobody believed. Then he said, Then there was a huge multitude of people that came. And these multitude of people that came, he said, I thought they were my ummati. He said, ummati. I thought they were, they were my nation. This is Musa and this is his nation. And then an even bigger group of people were presented to him. And it was said to me, this is your ummah. This is your ummah, O Muhammad Not only in number were better, but then the Prophet gave this ummah one of the biggest gifts. He was told, وَمَعْهُمْ سَبْعُونَ أَلْفًا يَدْخُلُونَ الْجَنَّةَ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابٍ وَالْعَذَابٍ There are amongst them 70,000 who will enter into paradise without any reckoning and without any punishment. The companions, when they heard this statement, because the Prophet said this statement and he went in his house. So the companions, they began to deliberate in the night. Who is the, who is the people or these people that will enter into paradise, they will have no reckoning, they will have no punishment. Because the companions were keen to be the best. Are we all not ready that we should be amongst those 70,000? But we need to know now why those 70,000 given this special merit. So the companions began to deliberate. They said, perhaps these are the people who were born in Islam and they never made shirk with Allah. They never associated partners with Allah. They never called on anybody else except Allah. They never prostrated to anybody except Allah. So on and so forth. They never sacrificed for anybody besides Allah. Some of the companions said, perhaps these are the people who accompanied the Prophet. Meaning, before the Hijrah. They were his companions before the Hijrah. So they mentioned many things. When the Prophet came out, they informed him of what the people have been saying. The Prophet said, Humulladina La What's the hadith? Anybody know the hadith? You know the hadith? Sounds like you're trying to say it. You remember the hadith? Do you know it in Arabic in in, in English? Yes. They don't ask anybody to make ruqya for them. They don't make talab of ruqya. Nor do they practice cauterization. Nor do they believe in omens. And they rely only upon their Lord. They will be the characteristics of those 70,000 who will enter into paradise without any reckoning. Without any punishment. One of the companions, Ukasha ibn Mihsan, he said, Ya Rasulullah, He said, O Messenger of Allah, make dua to me 
that Allah makes me from among those. The Prophet said, Anta minhum. You are from them. There's a man. He said, Ya Rasulullah, minhum. Make dua for me that I am also from amongst them. The Prophet said, Sabaqa khabiha ukasha. Ukasha has beaten you to it. Brothers and sisters, when the heart is full of la ilaha illallah, meaning what? That subhanallah, they make ithar of everything when it comes to la ilaha illallah and what Allah wants. Then the heart is truly free from servitude to the other creation and it has removed this first illness, al-ishraqu because the source of every sin is what? Shirk. Every sin that we do is based on what? Some form of shirk. It's not called shirk. But what have we done? The action is that we've given precedence to our own desires over what Allah has ordered us. So when we purify our tawheed, we've removed the first illness which is shirk. But then subhanAllah, there are other illnesses. What are the other illnesses? Al-ma'asi, sins. Where do the sins come from? Why do we do sins? We do sins because of our lack of iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our lack of faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is sin? The scholars say that, as we mentioned before, that ma'asi, the basis of all ma'asi is shirk. That is that we give precedence or ithara to what we want over what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. And this is how sins come about. And the problem is what? That subhanAllah, when we don't have this loftiness, and high status of Allah in our hearts, like we should, then we make istihan of our sins. What do the scholars say concerning the sins? The man who sees his sins like a mountain who will fall on him, that's the man we should be. We shouldn't be like the man who sees his sins as a fly on his nose and he wafts it away. Every sin Regardless of the magnitude of the sin, whether it's a major sin or a minor sin, we should avoid it. And we should see it that it will be our destruction. Why? Because subhanAllah, sometimes we think that only the major sin will destroy us. The minor sins will not destroy us. But subhanAllah, it's the minor sins which the companions used to be afraid of. Because the minor sins, because people make istihana of them, they, become, they begin to become many. And as a result of what happens, they overcome us. What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say about Bani Israel? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said concerning them, ثُمَّ قَسَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ ثُمَّ قَسَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ فَهِيَ كَالْحِجَارَةِ أَوْ أَشَدُّ قَسْوَةِ Then their hearts became like stones. بَلْ أَشَدُّ قَسْوَةِ Rather, they became even harder. Why? The sins, they have an effect on the heart. What is the effect on the heart? 
Abdullah Mubarak said some poetry. He said, I saw the sins killing the hearts. I saw the sins killing the hearts. Because the death of the heart is the sin. What does the sin do to the heart? Every time the son of Adam makes a sin, one black dot is placed upon the heart. What does Allah say? Why? Because of what they used to do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he talks about this rana, it is like a veil on the heart. And when this veil falls upon the heart, the heart doesn't know good from bad anymore. Doesn't differentiate between iman and kufr. Doesn't differentiate between khair and sharr. So the ma'asi is the other thing which destroys the heart. And this is why you find, subhanAllah, the Prophet used to say, ordering the companions, that follow every bad deed with a good deed. That he would wipe it clean. And the Prophet said, what did he used to say? He used to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. About his heart. Ya muqallib al-qulub thabbit qalbi ala deenik. Subhanallah in the middle of the night. When subhanallah all others are asleep. That's when the true muhibbin of Allah stand in the prayer. And the leader of them, the Prophet One day he says to Aisha. Give me leave to go and worship my Lord. Da'ni ata'abudu lillah. So he began to pray. And in his prayer, he wept so much. And Bilal came close to the Fajr time, just to inform him that the prayer has come. And when he saw the Prophet crying, he said, Atabki, Ya Rasulullah, are you crying, O Messenger of Allah? So the Prophet said, How shall I not cry when today verses were revealed to me? Woe to one who doesn't contemplate them. What were the verses? Who knows those verses? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enjoined upon us reading of the Quran. So we should read it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enjoined upon us memorization of the Quran. We should memorize the Quran. Who knows the verses, the end verses of Surah al -Imran? Those verses. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the righteous people. What are they like? Those who remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala standing and sitting and on their sides. And they contemplate the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they say, oh Lord, you didn't create this out of jest, without purpose. Ma Subhanak. What does subhanak mean? What does subhanallah mean? How often we say this word? Subhanallah. 
What does subhanallah mean? Huh? What does glory to Allah mean? When we say something, any kalima of, of worship, when will it really mean something? When it is said with sincerity, when it is said with in accordance to what the Prophet bought, and when it comes from the heart. When we mean it, and if we don't understand what it means, how do we know what it means? If we don't know what it means, how can we mean it? Subhan, Subhanallah. It means that Allah, you are free from all ayb and all naqs. There is no deficiency in you, Allah. You are free of all deficiencies. And when somebody, you say that he is free of all deficiencies, what is he? He's perfect. So when you say, Subhan Rabbi Yal A'la, in your sajda, what are you saying? Oh Allah, our Lord, you are free from all faults, all deficiencies. You are Al A'la. You're the most lofty. Subhan Rabbi Yal Azim. And when you say them, don't say them and your heart is not attached to it. Say them and you mean them. SubhanAllah. Two people perform the same prayer. Maybe we stand and perform the same prayer. One person's prayer ascends to the heavens and the heavens don't open for it. Because the good actions, they ascend to Allah. But the heavens don't open for it. And it's rejected. The next person standing right beside him, his prayer ascends to the heavens and the heavens open for it. And Allah accepts it. The difference is what? The sincerity. The heart is in tune with the body and the mind. And in unison they are worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are not worshipping Allah in ignorance. Brothers and sisters, Mahasi, sins. Sins destroy a person. And the effects of sins are so many. There's a muhadar just in that. The other thing that also we should remember is the thing which kills the heart is ghafla, heedlessness. Sometimes we are in a state of heedlessness. We're not patient. We're not thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What was Something that was mentioned a few days ago, the hadith of Jibreel. When the Prophet was in the masjid of the when the Prophet was in his masjid, and his companions were with him sitting in the masjid. A man came to the masjid. Maybe some of you haven't heard this other narration. I want to add some of the words of that narration. A man came into the masjid and he stood at the door of the masjid and he sought permission from the Prophet to enter. So the Prophet bade him to enter. So the man would come and then he would seek permission and the Prophet would keep giving him permission until he came and sat with his knees against the knees of the Prophet He came and he sat with the Prophet with his knees against his knees and his hands on the hands of the Prophet on the thighs of the Prophet which is known to you as the hadith of Jibreel. And then, of course, the companions, they didn't recognize that this was Jibreel. 
In fact, many times when the Prophet talked about revelation coming to him, he said that the angel came to him in the form of a man. And often they would see him and they would think that he is one of the companions of the Prophet Dihya al-Kalbi. So then he asked the Prophet some questions. One of the questions he asked, he said, Ya Rasulullah, mal ihsan? What is ihsan? Ihsan is the highest level of faith. And the Prophet said, that you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as though you see him. And whilst you see him, not you know that he sees you. This is the level of ihsan. This is the highest level of anti-ghafla. This is the highest level of yaqda. That you worship Allah and you are conscious of Allah all the time. You know, subhanAllah, one of the famous scholars of our time, one of the statements that we heard about him, he said, since I have come to my senses when I was a child, since I have had aql, I have never done an action except for the sake of Allah. I never did any action except it was for the sake of Allah with that niyyah. This ghafla is the thing which sometimes we fall into. Maybe we don't have bad niyyah. We want to worship Allah. But ghafla or heedlessness overcomes us. And so we become complacent. And we become busy. And we forget. And subhanAllah, this is what shaitan wants us to do. Worse than that though is the other illness. Iraad. The illnesses of the heart, Iraad. وَمَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْ ذِكْرِي فَإِنَّ لَهُ مَعِشَةً ذَنْكَ وَنَحْشُرُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ عَامًا قَالَ رَبِّي لِمَا حَشَرْتَنِي عَامًا وَقَدْ كُنْتُ بَصِيرًا قَالَ كَذَلِكَ أَتَتْكَ آيَاتُنَا فَنَسِيتَهَا فَكَذَلِكَ الْيَوْمَ تُنْسَهَا Subhanallah, Allah says, وَمَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْ ذِكْرِي Whoever turns away from my remembrance فَإِنَّ لَهُ مَعِيشَةً ذَنْكَ He will have a restricted, narrow life. How many people, when they are called to the prayer, they are too busy for the prayer? How many times when the people are called to the Qur'an, they are too busy? How many times the people are called to gatherings of knowledge, and they are busy. This is Iraq. This is to turn away. Mashallah, the Imam says every Friday, Brothers, come to the prayer. Zuhur, Asr, Maghrib, Isha, you should come to all the prayers, Fajr. But you find, subhanAllah, the masjid will be packed for Jummah. But when it comes to Zuhur, or Asr, or Maghrib, or particularly Fajr, you might find a handful of people. <coughs> if that. This is Iraq. Look at the effect of Iraq when we turn away from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What happens? And this is Iraq turning away. Allah orders us and we don't come to it. We're not to be found in the masjid. And subhanAllah, instead of the Quran, what do we have instead? Magazines and soap operas and computer games. And every time we order to come to a dars, there's going to be a dars, it's going to be beneficial. What happens? We say, oh, 
well, we, you know, we're busy, we have to feed our children, so I'm going to do some work, I'm going, I have to take my children somewhere, I have something to do. Always excuses. SubhanAllah, when you go into the grave, Prophet said, this is the last fitna that will come to the people of the grave, the people, uh, the, the believers, the last fitna. The last fitna that will come to the believers that they will be tested with is when they are in the grave. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to them two angels. Black and blue. One of them will be called Munkar, the other Nakir. They will come to him. They will say to him, Marabuk, who is your Lord? Madinuk, what's your religion? What do you say about this man? The Prophet Who do you think will answer? Do you think the one who, when he was called to the masjid, he wasn't found in the masjid? The one who never had any portion of the Quran? The one who never fasted? Who didn't know Allah? Who turned away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Do you think he is going to be able to answer in the grave? He will answer in the grave. He will say, like the hadith says, ah, ah. He will not be able to answer. He will say, the people said such and such. But he will not know. Sometimes, you know what people do? They make a cheat. They write down on a piece of paper and put it in the, in the grave with him. So that when the time comes, he can just pick it up and read it. Do you think that that time, time when there will be fear, we didn't know this fear until that time comes. That we'll be able to answer those questions. We make arad in the dunya and Allah makes our living in this dunya restricted. So if we make arad, what will be the, what will be the effect of that arad in the akhirah? One of the other things, and this is what your subject was, one of the amrad of the qalb is the israf. And what is israf? Excessiveness. Allah says, Kulu wa wa Eat and drink, do not be excessive. Excessive eating, excessive drinking, excessive talking, excessive joking. All of the things that we shouldn't do anything in excess of, we do excess of them. And so what happens? Excessive sleeping. All of these are illness and poisons of the heart. And it is these things, when we allow them to overpower the heart and we grow to love them, does the heart fall into desires. And the siham, the arrows which strike the heart, what are they? The first of them is nadar, looking. Looking at that which Allah has made haram. Allah made it haram, so we look at that. That's the first thing which will kill the heart. We find, subhanAllah, many qissas of people who made ishq. They fell in love with somebody because they looked at what was haram and that was such a poison that it took them to the grave and then from their grave they will be thrown into the hellfire. They turned away and they give precedence to the love of other things over the love of Allah. So what happened to them? You find Majnoon Layla, 
one of the very famous Arab stories. What happened to him? He fell in love with some woman. And the love of this woman, subhanAllah, you find him in the streets in such a bad state. And he died just for the love of this woman. What about the love of Allah? And what about what with what with Allah has? But instead he looked at the haram. And this is one of the problems today. Ishq drives people to do what? Evil. They bring themselves into hellfire because of this sound. The first one, the arrow. The other one, well, the other one is ghiba and namima. Speaking and backbiting people, speaking ill of people, saying bad things about people. The Prophet, when he was asked about ghiba, he said, Dhikrak akhak bimayakrahu. To say that about your brother which he dislikes. Doesn't matter whether it's true or not true. Sometimes you hear some people say, oh, but it's true about him. I'm not lying. It's worse if you lie. Because then this is iftira. You lied against him. Prophet said, it is to speak about your brother and to say about him that which he wouldn't like you to say about him. And Namima, the other one, which is that you go from one person to the next, causing problems and friction between them by saying such and such a person said this about you so that he will hate him and then going to him and saying such and such a person said this about you and what? Creating problems between them. Namima. One day Abu Bakr and Umar they were sitting together and they had, Umar had a servant and he said to his servant Go and cook for us. And when you have cooked, call us. So they sat waiting for him and he didn't come. So they said, perhaps he's forgotten. And they began to speak about him. And the Prophet came upon them as they were doing this. He said, I can see his flesh between your teeth. I can see his flesh between your teeth. SubhanAllah, what is our pastime nowadays? This is what it is. There isn't any najma or any gathering of ours except that it has to have some dhikr of some person and we have to say some ill about him. Brothers and sisters, the heart, as the Prophet said, is that morsel of flesh. If it is correct, the whole of the body is correct. And if it is spoiled, then the whole of the body is spoiled. It is this heart that we should try and rectify and protect. Not the body, the heart. So inshallah, if we protect our heart with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we build it with faith, then inshallah, all of the siham, all of the arrows which are in the, directed towards the heart, and all of the illnesses of the heart will be vanquished. Thank you very much.
guys got any questions for this week? Even from yesterday's topic. Not just this topic. My topic was always <laughs> 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 <laughs>